0: I'd like to start this episode of Soul Coffee a little bit differently, and I just want to speak directly to people, and that's no one defines who you are, you do. No one defines what it is that you do, you do. This episode is an extension of a five-part series of healing the wounds of childhood, as what I've offered in episodes past is uh, healing through abandonment and healing through betrayal, and those ways to be able to heal were reflective of self-love for abandonment and then for betrayal uh self-loyalty today's episode's on humiliation and this is a wound in which where i traversed very very deeply throughout my life and i'd really like to just be raw and vulnerable and just show more parts of myself uh so it's pretty much it's unscripted um I have a few points that I'd love to really just share in a concise way, but I want you all to see more of my heart and where I come from in case you're new. Uh, you know, so coffee is a space for exhausted providers to be able to experience more energy, more presence and more enjoyment in life as that's where I was being burnt out, depressed, anxious in grad school and throughout a lot of my life. And I come from a, a charge space in that capacity and then my parents as well, too. Come from a charged space as they were my providers and they did everything and do everything still to this day that they can to be able to take care of me even though I'm trying to take care of them. Uh, so without further ado, you know I think the start of this episode is one of the medicines that has really helped me uh, traverse through this way. As uh, if you don't know my story, I'm sure you could go back to the original episodes of Soul Coffee, which I highly recommend as their fire. But I come from a space of being sexually abused when I was younger um, and I was about nine when it happened. And uh, what I often reflect is that it wasn't the event itself that even um, distorted my perception of reality and the bigness of what happened. It was how I was treated afterwards. I was patronized. I was bullied. uh, I was just torn down and cut down with uh, very, very painful words. And a lot of, it happened at uh, my daycare that I grew up at, and that was a big portion of my life. And I still to this day wouldn't change anything. Um, But the kids that didn't know what had happened as it had, uh, it had happened through the youngest uh, son of the babysitter that was, uh, that was taking care of me. And he was kind of like the cool kid, kind of like, you know, he was older than all of us, we all kind of like looked up to him and everything. And, uh, you know, I even kind of grew my love for video games like kind of in that space as well too which I'm grateful for cuz it's a part of my expression uh but the kids they would like isolate me and make fun of me for my expression um that I did love video games that and it was stacked upon like him patronizing me and putting in my perceptions that he was he was just beating me down and you know just putting me in a very disempowering space that I didn't have the expression to uh, be able to speak up against. And um, I didn't respect myself enough to be able to defend myself or uh, to even share with my parents that it had happened, my sister who was also at the daycare with me when it happened, or my sibling when it happened. Um, I didn't tell anybody else, and I held that within my body for about 14 years till I was about 23, till I really opened up. And share that. So, 14 years from when I was in, I was nine, so that's like fourth grade, all the way through middle school. Growing up as a black and Latino male, I couldn't speak Spanish because I also grew up near a pretty racist town, Glastonbury, Connecticut. I grew up in East Hartford, Connecticut. Shout out to 860, love y'all. And you know, there wasn't a lot of black folk at the elementary school that I grew up at. And when I got to middle school in East Hartford they're like we all kind of like came together in sixth grade like nine different elementary schools just like wow just exploded and then sixth grade went to east harford middle school in seventh eighth grade and that's where i was around the most amount of like diversity i'd ever been around Uh, i was called white boy um, just the way i dressed Uh, i was too white for the black folk even though i wasn't white at all and you know, for Latinos and, you know, I'll say, you know, the kids that came from quote unquote, like the ghetto or from like the other side of East Hartford, um, you know, I just looked weird to them and they made fun of me for it. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like introduced to like a lot of R&B at that point. Like I remember, I remember asking like confusing our like, uh, like Ray J for Bobby Valentino like type shit, like just being roasted. Like, middle school is rough, bro, so I come from a background being fucking roasted um, and just being publicly humiliated, laughed at, and joked about, and just just always, like, being the odd one out or just, like, looking from the outside in. And in looking in the outside in, like, I felt like I was just in this, and this puts what's came up the, like, last, like, two weeks, mainly, as for y'all who don't know, like, yo, I got roasted on TikTok, you know, in a very... You know open space and transparent space and you know i didn't really like tiktok because you know there's a lot of it's just not where i feel like i need to speak to uh for my ideal people that i'm efforting to speak to being providers being healthcare professionals and i think i kind of use that as like a scapegoat as you know i got essentially publicly lynched or humiliated which is a thing um on tiktok and instagram there's a lot of influencers that are just roasting people and i don't i don't want to do that i don't uh i I just don't want to do that and was most important in this way is I come from being in this like perpetual hole, or that just felt like I needed to crawl my way out. And each time I would almost feel like I'm on my way out, that there'd be this getting roasted, or you know, an incident would happen when I would perceive myself to be separate from like my group of friends or perceived group of friends, and I would just feel so low, and that hole would get deeper and it would get deeper and it would get deeper and it would get deeper, and There'd be times where I'd just be like, fuck it, fuck the world, fuck everybody. And I think from my, when I was nine to about sophomore, junior year in high school is when I was able to start to find some kind of traction and getting like out of this hole finally. And it came through an athletic identity where I got better as a track athlete. I finished like 10th in the state for the 400 that year, my junior year. I was able to actually just kind of sit varsity, soccer, which is great, but I got roasted on the soccer team as well, too, because I got fucking dribble straight up. Uh, but I had a lot of heart. Coach Boyd saw that. Coach Kanopka saw that, my wrestling coach. And wrestling, um, I did decent. I hyperextended my right elbow my junior year, so that was its own dark thing. And then, you know, in another vulnerable way, because I would like to teach a sexual health workshop for men in particular, on Onsil Coffee as a few-part series, so that will come in the future. But the way that I lost my virginity was fucking traumatic, like, as well, too, because that's when I first remember people finding out, like, who was who it happened with, and they were laughing, they were asking, like, you did that with so-and-so, blah, 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 and I didn't consent to that information being shared. Like, I don't know about y'all, but, like, the first time I, you know, ever lost lost my virginity, like... She was traumatic, and that compiled upon, keep in mind, the same impulse of humiliation, humiliation, humiliation. And the thought applied with Dr. Caroline Leaf's work is that I wasn't enough. I'm unworthy of love. And that compounded into my brain looking for more and more evidence how I was just unworthy of love. Uh, I was not enough. I My voice didn't matter. I was unimportant. I was fucking garbage. And that hurt so, so fucking bad. And I just held that within my system for years. And a part of why I show up, why the fuck I show up, is that so everybody and anybody can fucking be empowered with their voice to be authentically who they are, to give themselves permission To who they're being and that it's all good whoever however it is that you want to show up you deserve to show up in that capacity and the world fucking needs you to show up in that capacity just finished an episode with my boy matt and uh he'll drop monday but uh, your pain your pain holds so much gold so much weight so much lessons for you to come into this world your purpose your passion uh, it creates the vehicle for you to be able to uh, discover your purpose and being able to share with that more of the world and in even in instances as a chiropractor like people come at my fucking profession they come at me as a like you are not a medical doctor blah, blah, blah. I never wanted to be a medical doctor I didn't think that I'd even be a doctor to begin with I didn't I didn't think I was worthy enough to be a doctor even when it was gifted to me by Dr. Rich Cutting at D'Amato Chiropractic back in the day, my f- like first real chiropractic experience where he helped me, he said, you could be a doctor. And I couldn't even believe him. I couldn't even believe the words that he said. And I said, nah, I can't do that. It's because I didn't believe that I could. It's because I had the perception that uh, no one spoke that power into me when I was younger. So when it comes to even being in a very vulnerable space, because so many students that I humbly share, there's so many people, like, they give me so much love. A lot of y'all that listen to this give me so much love. And they see me as this, um, I'll just say this person that, you know, that doesn't experience pain or that's so bold in the expressions. Like, y'all don't understand. Like, I, I, I mean this with all of me. It's been a lifetime. Been a lifetime of being able to uh, cultivate my voice. People ask, "How do you how do you build your voice? How do you share your voice?" It's reps after reps after reps after reps of being extremely uncomfortable, but it's with the understanding. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about your families. It's about the people that are waiting for me to be able to get my hands on them, to love on them, my voice to reach them, my hugs to reach them, soul coffee to reach them. That's why I do any of this, because your purpose is what's going to help bring you back to a anchored state uh, comfort zone, if you will, in the five zone of uh, discomfort, which I've taught on and I've shared in the past. I'll probably revisit and being able to give yourself permission to venture 10 percent out uh, of your comfort zone in all different ways to be able to venture out in. Uh, a pain zone and then you experience trauma and the disassociation like these different outer zones may have not have been intended from you to be able to experience but they happen and it's your duty to be able to integrate them into your expression and as you do that it expands your capacity to hold space how you can connect to people in different ways shapes and forms because even though you might not experience what others may have experienced you can connect to them because you've experienced what you've experienced and you come back from that that's a really beautiful thing and as you do that you can build self-respect. You can build a reverence for yourself, a recognition of yourself. Oh, what it is that you do. That's why journaling its its medicine for me. It's absolute, absolute medicine for me. And why I offer, you know, no one defines who you are. You do. You know, there's not a lot of mixed beings walking around. And, um, you know, I'll even be as bold to declare, like, I'm excited to share my book this year. And uh, I've been putting work behind the scenes on that. Thank you, shout out to Sheena Jean for encouraging that. And no one defines what you do. You do. I don't crack and pop things. Y'all know that. I make a joke about that in my my content that I share. You know, here on Soul Coffee, uh, because I know as a chiropractor, people can hear me in the United States, and they're freaking. They're or they're horrified or they're scared or they're like, duck they do some silly shit, which it's all good. Like no judgment, because I used to do. I used to be there back in, oh, twenty fourteen, thirteen. 2014, 13. <sighs> so whatever it is that you do, whoever it is that you are, you get to define it every day, every day. And I encourage you to build your self-respect. How do you do that? Take time to recognize yourself. The lessons of the day, the lessons of the week, the lessons of the month. Take your time to enjoy and discover what it is that you do. You know, how do you enjoy life? What is your passions? What are your vehicles? What do you want to do? And are you in alignment with that? Build self-respect through your community. Number three. My community is the only thing that got me through this. And when I was in that hole, in that darkness, like, I love this man so much, Harris Borowski. I will sing his name to the heavens. Um, he crafted a space for me to feel safe. My second mom, I called her Miss Lisa, um, they gave me space just to be able to be and it's not that my parents didn't which i can't hit home enough it's not that they didn't um it's that they just didn't know they had no idea they just knew that i was an angry kid they knew that i was an angry boy and they couldn't figure out why same with my uh, sibling ren who is going to be on so coffee in february which i'm really <laughs> i'm so excited for y'all to uh, meet her she didn't know either and in ways that It was just us two growing up. I have a big brother, Greggy, who was my mom's first son, by the way, in case y'all didn't know that. So I'm the middle child. (laughs) And uh, I never got the chance to meet him in the physical, but I got to meet him uh, through a medium and connect him in a very sacred way. And Rin, who's a few years younger than me, you know, she didn't know either. So in my immediate home, I didn't have that support. And Rin was really good at using her words to protect herself as i just had this like physical prowess being her older brother to try and like protect myself in times where we would disconnect and throw around which i took responsibility for and learned of course you can't put hands on a girl um and got checked by my father in that capacity and that led to so much but all that to say harris was helped get me through alan Rashawn, tyler estevez austin blank chris williams those are my four like in high school that i was able to connect to and discover more of myself and find more of that empowerment of like, yo, I am doing something quote unquote of value, which is earning points for the team or, um, earning points. Like as a, as an athlete, And as I became a senior from junior, to senior year, you know, coach Boyd said something that I still carry. He's like, man, he'd like, he'd rather have a, a team of Jamal's versus a team of quote unquote quote, all-star um, athletes because they're coachable one, but they'll give their heart whatever it is that they're doing and that really like like began to like crack my heart open and feel more things besides anger because i was so angry um and my coach uh, kanopka he said something similar in that capacity and then the person that planted the image uh, coach shea Matt shea he was the one that was like yo so you want to go uh, you can go d1 with this he's like where do you want to where do you want to run or where do you want to go to school and i was like for what he was like To run D1 track, you can do it. He said you can go to UConn, and you can kind of like be in the mix of things, as it's a very big school, or you can go to Central. You can be one of the top dogs. And I was like, baby, I want to be a top dog. I was like, that just really inspired something in me. And uh, I think the rest is history going into undergrad from there and uh, encountering some of my best friends, like Jordan Watkins, Kendall Walker, Daniel Hopper, Nick Limblum, Ryan Budd. Oh, those are some of my teammates, real mates, like some of my best friends. I'm Greg Andrade, Bilal. I'm Andrew Hill, Mike Ficcarelli. Uh, Mike Fick was one of my first friends, actually, as a freshman, and uh, Harry Lewis as well, too. Um, they helped see parts of me that I didn't see and respect myself, and they they respected me from external and that internal. I was able to, like, borrow some of that as I could try on this jacket of more self-respect. <sighs> And then in undergrad, being able to continue to build upon that self-respect, like as I matured and as I got older. But there was this unknown void that I was still trying to fill, and that came from the external validation with my achievements as a athlete, as a captain, as a representative of different organizations as well, too, like student-athlete advisory committees. Shout-out to Stephen Walmsley um, and Rosemary um, for the student-athletes that, like, trying to build awareness around domestic violence. Um, but there is definitely a part in undergrad where I was just feeling, trying to fill a void externally of, uh, I'll just say sexually. And um, that's because I didn't know myself, and that's I didn't value myself, and I also didn't really know or had a sensitivity to, that's what the wound that I was feeling, as when a trauma can happen sexually, the energy in the body can either turn down or it can turn up. So people become hypersexualized. That's what happened to me. And then I was introduced to porn when I was like nine as well, too, at that same incident. So the non-conscious body of mine, from my awareness now, was trying to seek that external validation and seek um, that feeling of trying to heal. And, uh, you know, it was until I got to grad school and I encountered Kairos Train Culture, which is adjusting ninjas at the time, and Dr. Brett, Dr. Lance, and they just cracked me open with those adjustments and the affirmations which a lot of people like laugh at scoff at um because they don't understand and they don't know the why right um but in the, we do a movement and breathwork before chiropractic seminars and trainings and i'll just say uh you know a lot of people they don't they don't know what they don't know but when brett said in the affirmations i love you and i'm proud of you i never said that to myself in 23 years and I didn't even know it. So when that man, that black man, that black chiropractor, said those words, it activated something in me. Like me too. Like the like the, the younger version of me. Like it's like me too. Like I want to feel that. I want to feel proud of myself. I want to feel oh, that love for myself. And I cried for ten to fifteen minutes. Even as I'm recording, trying to record this episode, like my body's just shaking. I think that's just energy moving, but. Uh, I had to get my face together. I cried for 10 straight 15 minutes while everyone else was starting moving into transition of things. About literally eight years ago, as I'm talking, eight years ago, and I think a week ago today, was the inception of when I started to train. And that cracked me open. And being able to now have a vehicle, have a medium of like, oh, an image. Okay, Brett, like there's another black chiropractor that's, that's doing this. And he's helping a lot of people and he's talking to a lot of people. He's, and he, he shed tears at the philosophy night. And, you know, I'd only see my dad. And I'm even thinking like right now, like, even like besides like movies, like I hadn't seen a lot of black men cry, let alone that look like me. And that just brought me so deep into myself. And then I'm just going to keep going with this episode because I was going to do it just for 15 minutes and I don't even know where I'm at but I'm just going to keep rifting um, for like another five or 10 as that inspired me to then lead because in out of our class of 206 chiropractic students, there was like, I think it was eight or nine black men, two of which are my fraternity brother, three of which are my fraternity brothers now. And um, there wasn't a lot of us. and There's not a lot of us. There's only 1% of us in chiropractic who are black and only 3% who are Latino, a little bit more than that. And we went to Life University where we're the most diverse school, but, out of all the chiropractic schools, like there's not a lot of chiropractors in general. Like There's only 70,000 chiropractors in the United States. There's only 100,000 in the world. So tying this all together, people who try to humiliate me, humiliate me as a chiropractor or degrade my profession, they don't know what they're doing. And I'm grateful for what I've transmuted when I was younger as trying to define my identity as a mixed being dwarfs anything anyone might say to me as a chiropractor as a doctor and that is it just dwarfs in comparison so no one can say anything to me as a chiropractor that i haven't heard no one can say anything to me now like because i i've journeyed and i've gone through so much fucking darkness as a means to build up my self-respect and to land the plane on you know, the journey as a chiropractor. I went to Dallas and I had my heart blown open in April 2017 with Dylan, with Mark Senecao, with with Seth, with so many people. Actually, Seth wasn't there anyways. (laughs) Um, With Bobby LeFew and Javier Navarro, two of my great friends as well too. And in that second meditation, like in that level one seminar experience, that's where I experienced like this is the tribe and this is the people you're supposed to do and this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And I heard that as like a voice and I received that insight in that capacity and i just shed so many tears and then when i got back my third quarter i said i'm training every single fucking day i can so i trained four days a week with the life you crew which now they do two times a week and i dedicated my life to being able to show up in that capacity we train at 5 30 in the morning so i had to get up at like 5 or 4:40, 440, 4:44 uh to make it in time and be in a be energetic state and then i did that for my student the rest of my student career it was about the next about Four years. I did that. And now I'm a lead facilitator, you know, a few years later. And I just want chiropractic students, I want healthcare professionals, I want providers to be able to respect themselves. I want us to be able to respect ourselves, our bodies, our needs, our energy, our <sighs> like because we're in an environment, a country that doesn't respect us, that doesn't hold reverence for us, that says we need to sacrifice ourselves. And I used to sacrifice myself so fucking much in grad school for the benefit of others because I did not respect myself. Even in grad school, it's just showing up in a different way. The patterns that you're experiencing, y'all, they'll evolve and they'll look different. But you, I encourage you to... Continue to examine like why are you doing these things, or especially when you overextend yourself when you're burnt out, anxious, depressed, your needs aren't getting met, It's a perfect fucking time to evaluate yourself and your needs and are you doing what you're supposed to be checking in on? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care of your body? Are you allowing him or her to be able to be able to be nourished by you? What are the patterns at work in your neurology that are then playing through your body? Utilize your metacognition, your prefrontal cortex to examine that shit and ask yourself bigger and more profound and better questions. Your life depends on it. And I don't want you to just be here, just to be here, just to do things. I'm part of a chiropractic fraternity. It's called uh, The Deltas, Delta Simakai. And a part of the work that's been going on the last few months is we're prepping for a retreat. This is the third time we've done it, and I, I don't talk about this much, but my brothers are so important to me. And we're supposed to do these certain things on the day to day, but I'll end with this. You know, it's a big lesson because we just had our phase three call where there was 50 something of us and there's an 88 person retreat. We're supposed to do these things each day, but it's not about the checking a box off the day. It's about learning yourself throughout the process. How are you organizing your day? Are you creating space for yourself? Are you creating space for what's important? Are you evaluating what's most important? Are you learning? Are you reflecting on the end of the day? And Are you moving your body? Are you breathing? Are you meditating? Are you journaling? Are you doing these things and building these habits that we know are meant to help us and drive positive neuroplastic changes for our body to express not even less symptoms, more health and more life and vitality? So shout out to my brothers in, in that capacity. And... All that to say may this offering to to be a very thorough invitation to take care of yourself and respect yourself. And I knew this episode was gonna be deeper and take me deeper because I really want to connect with y'all this year. Anyone that may catch up to this in years in the future or maybe re-listen to it in years in the past. Uh, I am so, so grateful and I'm so honored to be able to be here and I'm excited to craft this vehicle in a more sexy space and you know, I'm excited to do more community talks, like, uh, when this episode drops, like, you'll hear, you know, I want to have, like, an IG live, and I want to be able to do more live um, events, recording Soul Coffee in Tucson, that's where I'm at, and collaborating with other individuals, and, you know, if you get this message, and you want to get more, like, come tune into Providing for the Provider, it's going to be February 10th, 3 to five thirty Mountain Standard Time, there will be a Zoom option, uh, we're going to be doing some a cacao ceremony led by Marie, shout out to Marie, um the first hour but that next four uh, hour and a half like i got y'all baby um that's where i'll be going to my workshop and um i'm gonna we're offered to create an app as well too so stay tuned for that as i'm really really excited and um last but not least if this resonates with you share with a friend leave a five-star review shoot me a message with any of your thoughts and feedback As that just tempers me so um i love you i'm so proud of you and maybe be able to take this good energy into the rest of the world and be able to live caffeinated at the soul level. Until next time. Peace.